<laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, and like I said, self-publishing is the next one. So if you join on uh, BrickCityTech.co, you'll get all the, uh, the emails pertaining to that next event. And so today, you know, what I wanted to do was uh, talk to Chinindu. First of all, am I saying your name right? No. Okay. <laughs> it's Chinindu, like Xanadu. Chinindu. Chinindu, yeah. There you go, see? Now we know. All right, so he never corrected me. So it was just like, I wonder if I'm saying his name right. I was telling other people. I told Dan, I was like, that's how you say it? So my, my apologies. No worries. All right. Uh, and what I wanted to do was... Uh, talk a lot about product today and talk about, um, you know, how do you think through product? How do you think through an idea? Like some people have these ideas for startups, but we don't know if we're, we're using the right, I would say, mental models to if this is an idea that's feasible. Is this an idea that I can pitch? Is this is an idea that I can actually test out. And so Chenadu does a great job of doing that. And also, you know, he does a great job of, you know, uh, I would say marketing. Um, he doesn't think so, but I think so, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And um, we, first, let's just start with your, your origin story. Sure. Um, and so, obviously, you're from Nigeria. Can you tell us, like, when did you come to America? Sure. I was. Uh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Dan, and uh, the rest of New York Venture Partners for inviting me. Uh, so I was born in Nigeria. I came uh, when I was 16, but... Uh, I spent the formative years of my life in, in Lagos, which is the capital of um, Nigeria. I went to boarding school, and you know, back then, so at 12 years old, my parents you know, said, okay, it's time to go to um, boarding school. And so I drove for five, five hours to um, the school called King's College. Then, so, and they're like, okay, bye-bye, here's some food, here's some money, and you know, we'll see you in a couple of months. So it was a good way to kind of build um, confidence, build a sense of responsibility for yourself, and um, you know, just start with a group, group of um, friends. So, but when, when my parents said we were moving to the United States, I said, okay, sure, you know, let's go. And I ended up in Bloomington, Indiana. So spent like 16 years, African kid, and my next stop is Bloomington, Indiana, right? And I never even seen snow for the first, you know? So it's like, so it's like snow, and then you like touch it, right? Because you've seen it in movies, right? But you haven't actually seen it in real life. Yeah, so that's. And then, you know, you came over here. How was, how was the transition, like, for you being a kid from Nigeria to being a kid in America, like, besides the, the weather change? Like, yeah, I was also very nerdy, right? So, nerdy? yeah, I'm still very nerdy, but. Uh, so I would I would wake up and I'll go down to the bus, go to the bus, go to school. Then all the kids would be doing all the cool kid, you know, cool kid stuff. And I'll go I'll go to the um, to go to the my class and I'll try to do the extra credit, you know, to make because I, I didn't know how to like. Uh, Did you go out with strict parents? Uh, no, I didn't actually. I'm most I, I'm not sure who's part Nigerian here, but like that, that yeah, okay, cool. So like everyone knows that Nigerian parents are like, you know, like this, you're gonna be on a track to become a doctor or engineer or something. Uh, but my, my, my dad's a professor, so we didn't actually, I don't know, for whatever reason, he didn't really, you know, he just, like I, I had no, I never, I never felt like my parents were strict, never. And so maybe because we're nerdy. So when did you, when, so let's fast forward a little bit. When did you get introdu your introduction to technology? Yeah. So I think technology made sense to me because it was just the easiest way to become an entrepreneur, right? So I remember I was at J.P. Morgan, and the very first 
one of the first few ideas I had was a job, a rec you know, like online recruiting for jobs, right? That was like, this was 1995, right? Mm. You know, then I remember I called it like IPO me, you know, like, you know, go public. You know, that was like, and I wrote a whole business plan. Then, then I realized like, well, how do I build the sites, right? I, I mean, I don't also also worry about business plan. Like, like, you know, recruiters take 30%. It's like, it makes sense. Online recruiting, like, why are you doing it the old way, right? Yeah. Then I realized that I couldn't actually, I couldn't, I didn't know how to build a website because right? yeah. I, was, I, was, I had a finance and accounting background. Then, then this this site just changed my life. I, I didn't know what I was doing on the internet. I went. To, I found this site called Elance, right? And when I found Elance, I felt like I had just been emancipated, right? Because uh, for people who have ideas, right, and don't have technical skills, and I have a finance and accounting degree. I, I still can't code. Like I can't even change an H HTML website, right? No but, excuses. <laughs> no excuses for anybody. Um, yeah, but I realized that if with that the fact that Elance existed was actually the way for me to turn my ideas into things. Like I don't have to like know how to do it. I just have to know it's possible, right? Yeah. And find someone who can do it. Right? So let me stick there real sure. quick. So a lot of people, uh, you know, they get told to get on Elance. I'm pretty sure a few people here have done that. Uh, what were some of the biggest mistakes? Because sometimes there are a lot of mistakes being made when you want to outsource, yeah. and there's a lot of dangers involved with outsourcing. You could lose a lot of money. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. That's this is one of those things. Even now, right? It's like having working with people that aren't vetted, aren't trusted, is a very difficult thing because you you spend so much time, and you may not get the results you want. So here's what what I think is the practical way to deal with um, freelancers or anyone you work with, especially on the early stage of like on the MVP side, is no coding, nothing. Just, just do your prototype. Use a, use a dynamic prototyping platform like um, Axure or InDesign or Insight. There's one called Balsamic. Balsa, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I wouldn't even do Balsamic because okay. it's more pictures. You almost want to give your developer, right? Uh, in fact, even if, if you can design it, it's even better, right? Mm -hmm. And make it a clickable, um, dynamic so, prototype. So you're saying bring them finished looking. You know, yeah, like exactly. Because the thing is, um, there's so much complexity in, let's say, in the user flow, right? And if you you have a rough idea and you start coding, right, then you realize, wow, this is confusing, or I think this is a better user experience. Then you have to do this kind of re-engineering. But many of the things you have to test from a user experience perspective, from a do people want this, you can test without any without without a single line of code. Mm. But it'll force you to deal with the product, right? Really see what you're what you're building, and get validation from other users before you then go um, develop. So that's one, right? Even things like buttons, right? Like, well, what's the delete button, right? And you find it's confusing. So, if 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 you can, if you have to do just basic templates, do the basic templates. But if I would, if I was going to do this again, I would actually go through the design phase as well. So this were all the issues, right? You can actually give it to users to actually click, right? You get you get a sense of the user experience, right? Mm. Once you're done with that, then I would say then go ask, figure out a developer to build it. So you do two things. One is you make sure there aren't isn't wasted time, right? Between like the cycles. Okay, well maybe let's change. And once because once you have a change, I'm not sure you guys are web developers. Any 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 time a client says I want to change something, it's like yes, right? Because now it's like well. To bill you more, and that's you guys don't want to be in that position, right? So, what I would say is, 
but having the prototype done is that they, you know exactly what you want from them to do, right? And they know exactly what you, what you I was, want. I was told when I, you know, when I started talking to developers to create something called a functional spec. Is that something no, you did? No, don't do that. So why, why, why don't we do that? People laughing. Is y'all did that? Okay, cool. Yeah, don't do that because what's a functional spec, right? Because it's, it's all in the detail, right? Because the thing is like, yeah, I, have an, you know, I want to build a website that allows people to do. There'll be a search button. But yeah, but what's the actual experience, right? And what I found is like, it's just, it's just, it's a recipe for all kinds of disaster, right? Mm. So um, go through the experience yourself so you can own the product you want to build, right? So you believe in the product you want to build so and yeah. How much money should we be, pe be prepared to, to lose at that point, you know? For, so we can do the... No. I mean, because it's testing, right? Like if you're going on, you're going on, you know, you're going on Elance, like, I mean, so how much, here's a better way of saying it. How much money should we save in order to go to Elance to get a prototype or a first version or something like that we thought of? Like how much did you, no, but, so I, I didn't. This was my first time. I was an investment. I didn't. You know, all this. All I'm saying now is from my own experience of doing it. You know, doing it. So the way I did it was, I had the most basic MVP, which is, so I had the subway map, and I was like, how would I describe the subway, right? So and I said, like, okay, let's. And I was an ex, I was a finance guy, so I used Excel. Okay, that's a nice the notion of. Let's say there's routes, there are stops. What else, right? So I, I just created some kind of data model, right? And I sent to a developer. I'm like, could you write a shortest path algorithm right, that can solve it, even within like a, in a, a matrix of 20 by 20, right? Something like some. And so once he, can, once he proved that he could do that, then I said, okay, look, here's the bigger picture, right? And that's how I did it, like, you know, yeah. function by function. And what was the name of this app that you were building at the time? Hops up. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. so this is your first app. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but again, it's a bit, the thing about Elance is like, especially now, there's so many um, service providers and so many of them aren't good, right? And, and even, even the stuff they do may look good, but maybe in the back end, it's, bad, you know, it's not scalable. So what I would say is um, just, own, just own the product experience as much as possible. First of all, it allows you to change quickly. It allows you to deal with all the issues, right? Like even acceptability, like, oh, no, I wouldn't use this app. You've saved yourself six months or nine months of work, right? So spend as much time as really honing in on the product as much as possible. Get a design, then give it to, um, so the prototype, the, the, the developer will see exactly what you want him to do, what the site should do, and that's what you'll hold him to, right? So there's not, that's better than any functional spec. This is exactly, I told you like, click this, this shows this screen. You click this, right, you own that process, yeah. right? So that's the first thing. Um, then what I would also do is I would try to figure out how to get a, some sort of technical advisor of some kind, right? So some person who works a company like Google, someone, someone who has the technical chops, right, to basically is to give some sort of high-end product architecture um, vision or supervision for your technology. Uh, the great thing is that many of these platforms like Ruby on Rail is that many of the high-level architecture stuff is already pre-baked into the, into the stack, right? So, um, so if I was going to, I'll do Ruby on Rails, uh, you know, because many of those key issues have already been dealt with uh, faster to, you know, to, to ramp up your product. Yeah. So that, that's what I would say. So, so it's, it's, it's high level specs, so you don't have to, uh, you, know, you know, spend money, like um, mm -hmm. wasting money one, and also find a technical person, if you're not technical, just to, you know, have just a high level overview of whatever technologies they're using.
Yeah. So you were doing this while you were at J.P. Morgan, right? Like when you when you started to spec out your app and everything like uh, that. No, I was I was working at a hedge fund. But you were uh, still working. Yeah, yeah I was still working. So yes. there are a lot of people who kind of in that position now where they're still working yeah. while they're you know. So how was the balance between working on your side hustle because it was a side hustle at that point yeah. versus your main job? How yeah. did you deal with that? Um, I mean, we have time, right? Just we just have to decide how to use our time. Uh, so, but also with the with the, with all the technology that's in place now, right? There are many things you can do. You can have like, why can't you have a, a founding team of ten people, right? Like, there's so many things. That's a just, lot. <laughs> no, no, but, I mean, I, I guess I'm joking a little bit, but yeah. there's so many constraints we just have just because it's the way people have done it, right? Yeah. But there, there's so many, like everyone in this room is like, okay, let's all do it, let's do one startup. And you spend one hour a week doing this small piece and you, you know, so it's a question like how much control do you want, but that you can build without having to like, um, yeah. you know, kill so your you, life. So you didn't, you didn't stay up to like 3 a.m. in the morning, that wasn't your flow? No, no, because it's not really, the developer may have, but, but my whole thing is just, is more the developer, the, yeah, I caught that, right? Yeah, yeah but well, he probably didn't because he's a genius, like he's just, but the, the thing is, it's more the vision, right? Just yeah. thinking through, because um, thinking is almost like, the, it's like the best thing to do, right? Like thinking for me is like, the, if I could just think, think all day, that's what I'll do, right? Because that's the, it's the highest margin thing you could ever do, right? An idea is more valuable than, a hundred hours of like physical labor, right? Just one idea, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, as much time I I can spend thinking and thinking yeah. through stuff or problems is like the most uh, time, right? Um, anyway. And so, when is the best time to quit your job? Uh, best sense uh, when you have information. What's that? What, what do you mean by that? Like information? Yeah. yeah so, so it's not money, right? Like information. It's not. It's not money. Mo Money, information is the most powerful thing there is, right? Think about it, right? If I know how to make $100, it's more valuable than $100, right? Mm. If, uh, if I need to figure out how to start an internet company or what the next big idea is, the information about how to do it is more valuable than having the billion dollar internet company. So that's something, that's a, a point I just want to make sure I, I really share with you guys. The information and how do you acquire information, right? You acquire information by thinking about the problem you want to solve, right? So, uh, so what I do is I experience a pain, right? It could be any kind of pain. For me, it was like transit. Like, how do I get around? I'm like, how do I get around? Like, okay, there's a subway and there's street network. What other information would I need to figure out the best way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Then, like, as you as you think about the nature of the problem, and you start saying, like, okay, I can get this from that, I can get from that, can I, right? But it's the thinking process that's the is the creation, right? It's not at the doing, right? The, the creation is once it's in your head, right? You can then figure out the action plan. So, so the whole idea is, once you identify an opportunity then you've been thinking about it, right? You have information because you're like, ah, I see, I can take this and do. Then that's the information that allows you to make that decision, right? The, the information allows you to decide, this isn't worth quitting my job for, or this is worth quitting my job for today, or I, for me to be successful, I need to find someone who has expertise in this particular thing, because that's the key thing you need to be successful in that. Yeah. So it's all about information, and information is the thing that then makes you act, right? Yeah. 
So think is the first thing, right? Think, right? Use your, your mind and your imagination, right? Then after that, that's the thing that then propels action. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, when we were just outside, there was a guy who, um, Phil Kennard, one of the founders who, based in this space, he said he went to visit Hopstop, and you guys are literally in a closet. When he was there, he was like, man, these guys are struggling. And then, you know, years later, you guys got acquired by Apple. Could you give us, like, a, a quick, you know, and that's not, I know that's going to be hard to do, yeah. uh, but, like, how did you, you know, how rough, how did you maintain, you know, positivity optimistically through the hard times? Because when something's not working, you know, we tend to give up. So what kind of kept you going? Yeah. No, it's, yeah, because it's, well, it's one of the toughest issues because most people don't talk about the kind of the, I mean, everyone knows like it's hard, but like how hard, right? And it's true how entrepreneurship, especially this kind of this the age, the type of entrepreneurship we have now, is really about it's like it's a fight with yourself, really, right? Because are you crazy? You just left this job to do this. Like, is that did I get it right? Should I have done that? Um, when you go to dinner, your 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 friends, the investment banking friends, want to buy you know extra drinks. You're like, listen, I only I only budgeted thirty dollars for this meal. You know, <laughs> those are like real practical uh, things you have to deal with because of the kind of financial challenges you're going through as you're building your company. Um, so it's really a mind game initially, right? And but so just on a practical level, is just keep being inspired, right? So being around people who are similarly situated who have can tell you, like if you can exchange stories. You wanna have dinner with a hedge fund guy and the and the you know the guys who just generally have a good life, right? <laughs> like you yeah. don't you wanna be around people who are in kind of in your own So right? your friend, your circle, your five, you know five. Yeah, because it's inspiration, right? Because it's all about what I've found is like um if things are like Things are as they are, right? But the thing that really gets people going is being inspired, right? And ins inspiration gives you the energy to overcome so many challenges, right? So I remember times where I wouldn't figure out, like, how would I pay rent, right? Or pay employees, right? Like, there's no money, right? So I'll go run, I'll go run, right? So that's another thing. Exercise is a great way to kind of keep your mental, because um, it's almost like, I think the stress of entrepreneurship is almost like the stress of a deer in headlights, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have this product vision you have, right? And, uh, and most of the time, it's not exactly right, right? People aren't really picking up your products, right? You have to figure out how to grow, right? Mm -hmm. And so that goes back to information. So your ability to get out of, to basically get the information you need to make the right decision is what you need to get. It's all yeah. about information. And sometimes when you're so stressed, you're, your brain just stops, right? You're looking at the same problem, you have no solutions, the same problem, no solution, right? Until you run out of money, right? So the reason why I, I always stress um, things like how you think and your meditation and your exercise and all that stuff is because that's how you get information, right? Like if I'm trying to figure out how to recreate this camera set here, I can look at all, all all I can, right? But the only way I can figure it out is by, by something coming into my head that says, this is how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So the question is for everyone, is like, how, how do you get new information into your head? Because that's it, it's information. It's how do you do that? How do yeah. you create this? How do you do that? It's, it's information. Yeah. And if you have the information, now you have power, yeah. right? Then you can then act, right? So the question is like, think about how information gets into your head, how you process that information, how you recognize information. So, um, so if, 
so basically to recognize something, you almost have to be, uh, for you to, to take possession of something, you have to recognize it, right? So if, if you're looking, for, imagine if you're looking for the next, let's say, billion dollar idea, right? And uh, the guy with the billion idea walks into this room, right? And says, hey, and just says, says the billion dollar idea and walk, walks away. Like if you're not ready to listen to, if you, if you don't recognize what he said as a billion, it's, it's pointless. So, so if you think of, of all power, like for the first step is the recognition of it, right? The same, and so power and information are the same. So essentially, the more you recognize information, right? The more you have power. Right? And the more you and, and that process of recognizing it is the first yeah. emancipation. Right now, there's action that's involved, but that first ownership is the recognition of the opportunity. So you talked about like meditate. So you do you have a morning routine? Yeah. 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 What is your morning routine? You don't mind sharing? Um, I started. So I'm I'm not sure how long it'll it'll it'll, it'll last. But um, I wake up at six thirty, then do uh, meditation and yoga. There it is. So. The other, the other thing about you know Hopstop is you became you were the founder CEO for for a time, but then you weren't right. Yeah. And so I remember reading something that was saying that the hardest part about being your own boss is knowing when to fire yourself, right? And yeah. so like, did you fire yourself? Yeah, I did, because um, you know even though like I, for me I I think people, there are different types of entrepreneurs, right? Uh, of founders and CEOs, the people who are good at like. Um, the highly unstructured ideations phase, the people who are good at product, the people who are good at investors, people good at growth, right? People are good at IPO, all that stuff, right? And there's some people who have a propensity and interest in doing all those, right? And, and Hopstop was my first company, and what that experience taught me is like, I only really want to be in the early, the early phase of building a company, that the, the, the skill sets, and a passion you have to do well on the others just wasn't my thing. I just I didn't wake up in the morning trying to figure out how to grow a product. Right? I was more interested in building a great product. Right? So I'm very product centric. And for Hopstop, it made sense, especially given literally our biggest competitor was Google Maps. Right? Like literally, <laughs> number one, your number one competitor was Google Transit, with massive syndications of their mapping platform, all that stuff. Right. Uh, but the only one of the reasons I think we continued growing even after Google was because of the product, and I think that's because I was so crazy about the product. I would like, I would look at those three pages and I'm like, How, what's the best place to put this button? Like, what's the most intuitive way of saying this? Like, and I obsessed about it, you know. And um, and I think that paid dividends. But that was me, right? Because I was I wasn't I wasn't trying to figure out how we can I could get to new markets, right? And new new um, new revenue, right? That wasn't my thing, right? I was very product-centric, right? And for where the company was, in terms of we had a great brand, we had great user growth, right? We were now in the monetization and scaling phase. And so for, so I approached my, the investors and said, look, I think this is time for me to transition as CEO. Uh, they agreed with me and, yeah. I just want to be clear, because sometimes when people hear that, they might think, well, you had no part in the company, so like, just because you weren't the, the CEO, like, what was your role sure. as a, being a founder? Sure. So I was, I was chairman of the board and the largest shareholder, um, uh, and it's obviously CEO, so what I did was uh, uh, relinquish my CEO title um, and, and salary and all that, but everything else uh, stayed the same. Dope. So take us through that time, and then we'll get into the product, but take us through that time where, you know, 
the acquisition? You know, like, how did you, did they email you, say, what's up? Like, what's good? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how did you get your investors before you got Sure. So, actually, the first investor this building is, what's the IDT building? IDT building is yeah. like this way. Yeah, so, so the story was like, so I was, you know, uh, so in a so hedge fund world, one day, internet CEO, the other, right? I had no contacts. I, you know, like I didn't know VCs to talk to. So I would have this my one pager and then go to these um, internet conferences, right? Then this guy Kenny Helfer from IDT came to my booth and was like, oh, what's this? Anyway, so he called me the next day or the next uh, day after and said I should come to IDT to pitch um, Hopstop. I'm like, oh. New Jersey. I don't know if I should go to New Jersey. You know. Uh, <laughs> By the way, no. you all are right here, right now. So yeah, exactly. Um, no, but I think this was. I, I almost. I was almost like. Uh, I wish I had Hopstop in New Jersey then, because I getting there was was the problem. <laughs> and uh, so and anyway, I said, okay, I'm going, and I'm glad I did because I went in and uh, they. A synergy that I didn't think made sense because IDT owns one of the largest distributors of, um, of what do you call it, like the pamphlets for when you go to hotels with all the services. So they're big, big in local print media, mm -hmm. and they were looking for a platform to take that asset and find an online play. And Hopstop was a very local ad product, right? So that was the, but I didn't see that. I didn't know that was the reason why they wanted to talk to me. So and this was when I'd run. Yeah, so remember I was saying how I was, I was really stressed about payroll. That was almost the precise time. Mm -hmm. And so I go to this thing, this guy calls me in, and we go, and the next day or so, um, they said, we know that you're just about to like, um, run out of money. You need your servers. <laughs> so they wrote me a 50K check. And I took the 50K. Um, so this was when we had uh, rack space, so like that mm -hmm. back before. AWS, where you actually had to buy dedicated servers and all that stuff. So, you know, you know paid for the dedicated servers. And then after that, um, they invested, um, I think, one or two million into the company. Yeah. For future reference, we will have a Q&A at the end if anybody has more questions, definitely. Um, so, the acquisition. Yeah, so I can talk about acquisition in detail. Yeah, uh, but um, you know, it's true when they say like small companies are never sold their 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 bots, right? It's not as if it's like a um, it's not as if you you have a plan to be bought and you know exactly who your acquirers are, right? Yeah, I mean, so like a lot of people when they build the companies, they usually build them to position them for acquisition. Is it wrong to do that, or is it, or should you build it just to be a hundred year company? I think you should just build it to to retain value, right, to, to deliver value to somebody else. And how that value gets um, recognized or validated by other people is entirely outside your control. Um, so I think just going, just fundamentals of building something that people want is one. The only practical thing I would say in terms of once, you, once you've decided to sell, you know, position to sell, uh, the only practical thing I can say is probably start corporate development, uh, sorry, business development relationships with your potential acquirers, right? Whether it's to do some sort of deal with them, right? Because this way, you build a relationship with them, 
they get to see you, uh, they get to understand your company a bit, build, build a rapport with people in the organization. And if ever it made sense to be strategic, right, from a corporate, corporate development or M&A perspective, they're already familiar with you, they already understand your product, you're already integrated with their, with their service or technology, right? So it's like an easier thing to do. So that would be the only real practical. But other, other than that, it's really just back to basics, like grow your business, um, you know, be profitable, uh, et cetera. Definitely. So what was the feeling like? when that, First of all, on his Twitter, um, he says, I did not sell it for a billion dollars. That is a ridiculous move. Yeah, it is a ridiculous move. Yeah, so that's something Dimitri pointed out for me. So. Yeah, please, please don't, don't believe that it was anything close to a billion. It wasn't, so just to, to, just to know that. And the people who start companies with that intention, I think if there's something about, uh, like what we talked about, right? There's a, there's a cycle you go through, right? And when, when you're on the down cycle, the, the hope of the billion dollar exit isn't as motivating, right? It's not, right? Because first of all, your thing isn't working and the fact that you'd, you'd potentially set up for a billion down the road doesn't help you, right? So it, it, I think for you to be able to go through that curve um, successfully, you need to have a bigger motivator than just uh, money. That's what I think. Okay. How many people about a raise of hands is um, at the idea stage?